Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Rundown presented by the Minnesota Daily. I'm your host, Nolan O'Hara. We're back and finally we have some sports to talk about as Big Ten football returned here. The Gophers had their first game on Saturday, a game they lost 49-24 to Michigan. Um, So I'm here again with Brendan, our football beat reporter, and we're going to break down both the Gophers' loss to Michigan and its upcoming game against Maryland. So, Brendan, how's it going? Doing pretty well, Nolan. Well-rested, ready to talk some football uh, today and watch some tomorrow. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Yeah, so obviously, as we can see by the score or by watching it, the game didn't go exactly how P.J. Fleck and the rest of the team had planned. The first quarter was wild, to say the least. It could have gone either way. It looked like it was going to go either way, that neither team could stop each other. Um but Michigan's defense picked it up after that. They were able to slow down the Gophers' offense, um, especially with some offensive line struggles. And then offensively, even better, Joe Milton looks fantastic. Um, you know, looking through Twitter, seeing all the Michigan fans' comments, they're like, why why did we not see him last year? Why did we keep trying to make Shea Patterson a thing? And I think that's a valid, uh, valid argument there. Definitely looks like a step up there. Um, they were able to score at will. But from, from the box at TCF there, what did you make of the game? Is Michigan as good as they looked on Saturday, or was it some bad gophers? I kind of think it might be a combination of both. I think both of these things could be true, that Michigan is a good football team and that the gophers uh, did not play um, their best brand of football, especially on uh, defense. Uh, I will say Joe Milton did look good, and I know this isn't um, a Michigan football podcast, but reason Michigan won wasn't because of Joe Milton. The reason Michigan won was because they could run at will, like you had mentioned, and they could score at will. Um, Really, what it also came down to for Minnesota, and this sounds really simple, and uh, if any team obviously did this, then obviously you could say, well, yeah, every team would win uh, football games. But the way Minnesota is built and the way P.J. Fleck kind of talked about it last year um, is that they want to play well-balanced football on in all three phases. On defense, they need to get uh, stops. On offense, they need um, to score points and uh, keep their uh, defense out of bad situations and just make sure that they're also doing well in uh, the simple things like field position, turnovers, and really in those simple battles, uh, they lost those obviously on Saturday. Um, the fake punt put them in their defense in a really bad situation. Um, they basically handed Michigan seven points after faking it just because Michigan, again, was able um, just to run the ball down uh, their throats. Um, the offense just wasn't able to score points on certain drives. Obviously, um, the big sack fumble return for a touchdown um, put the defense in another um, hole uh, trying to um, gets st- more stops uh, to let the offense catch up. And uh, they just had, you know, a few of those costly turnovers, a sack, uh, fumble for a touchdown and an interception by Morgan. Yeah, there were se- definitely quite a few plays in that game. The 18-yard punt, the fake punt, some of those kickoffs that did not go the Gophers' way, which is which is worth noting that they were missing quite a few starters. Uh, two on the offensive line in Curtis Dunlap and Philele, and then their kicker and punter. Um, we'll get back to that a little bit later in the podcast, but you started off saying that it was a little bit of bad golfers, a little bit of good Michigan, and it seems like the polls kind of felt that way too. 
Michigan jumped up five spots in the AP poll to number 13. They were 18 last week, and Minnesota completely fell to the top 25 from 21. Now they're receiving about 40 votes. So now that we're a game into the season, you know, we talked about the polls before. It doesn't really matter. Big Ten hadn't played a game. Should the Gophers be outside of the top 25 after finishing last year and now just losing a game against a Michigan team that looked really good right off the bat? Uh, I think so just because of how they lost that game. If they lost in uh, close fashion, you look at kind of where the rankings are right now. Penn State is at 18th, uh, and they're 0-1. They're one of the only teams in um, the rankings that uh, is still in the rankings after losing only one game. But the reason they're still in the rankings is because, one, Penn State's kind of a brand name. Um, A lot of uh, voters will still assume that they're going to be a competent team. And then two, they lost in a very close matchup uh, against Indiana, who's only ranked one spot ahead of uh, Penn State. So that game uh, basically could have probably been a coin flip. Um, but Minnesota, on the other hand, like now going back to them and uh, comparing Penn State and Indiana's game to Minnesota and Michigan's game, it wasn't as close as that game. So it makes sense that even though they did lose to a Michigan team that looks like, you know, are they going to be a contender for? You know, looking at the national picture, the college football playoff, well, probably not if they can't beat a an Ohio State team. But they still could be a really good football team this season. But um, to answer your question, yeah, Michigan's a really good team. Um, and, yeah, you should get credit for losing and playing a good team. But at the same time, um, you can't necessarily give up 49 points and still expect to uh, be in the rankings. Right. That was not the best defensive performance one of the things that surprised me in the polls was seeing Indiana. Did you expect that, to see them jump up to 17? Yes, only because of how uh, much... I think a lot of the polls are kind of based off of hype, too, right? And if you watch any of the pregame shows, whether it's on ESPN or Fox, uh, a lot of people kind of were uh, thinking highly of Indiana. They played well last year, um, were competitive in some games. Um, but And a lot of people actually kind of picked Indiana to be... I'm a favorite for an upset in that Penn State game. So it actually isn't uh, terribly surprising that they're in the rankings, but we'll see how they do going forward. They're still going ha- to have to play that Michigan team. They're going to have to play Ohio State too, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I was, I was a little bit surprised to see that one, and that was, that was quite the game coming right down to it at the end. Um, but, yeah, I wanted to kind of dive back into the Curtis Dunlap and Daniel Falele and the special teams unit. There was some news, and we got some more news today that we weren't expecting before we did this podcast, but after the game, PJ announced that Michael Lance and Mark Crawford, the kicker and punter, were out because of COVID reasons. Um, And then now we found out with Dunlap and Philele that they are out indefinitely. Dunlap with an Achilles tear and Philele not really news, maybe an opt-out. We're still not really sure what's going on there. Um, but do we have any more details and what do we kind of have on a timetable for Lance and Crawford with this COVID protocols? Sure. So just to kind of first, um, just talk a little bit more about Dunlap and Falele. Um, Falele, it sounds like it's probably an opt out, but again, uh, coach Fleck really hasn't, um, definitively said whether or not it is and he's also kind of just said that he's not going to um, comment on whether uh, players have opted out or not Um, as far as Dunlap um, he has the Achilles tear 
obviously that's um, a serious injury for um, athletes, and he's going going to be out for the rest of of the season. Um, depending on what Falele's status and what his feelings are towards, if he f- feels unsafe, you know that's um, totally his decision um, and shouldn't be faulted for uh, opting out for um, the rest of the season. But uh, there might be some leeway as far as if he wants to come back, kind of like uh, Rashad Bateman uh, decided to come back. And then turning over to the uh, kicker and punter, Lance and Crawford, again, uh, Coach Fleck really hasn't given us uh, too much information on whether um, when they tested positive, um, if they, um, de- again, depending on the uh, COVID-19 protocols, whether or not they were the ones that tested positive or if they came in contact with someone. Um, but long story short, they are they are out. Um, you could assume, you know, the timetable uh, is probably the next two games that they're going to be out um, is the long term because if they tested positive early in the week um, for the Michigan game, then that would obviously leave them uh, for 21 more days. Uh, and then that would probably be around their third or fourth game that they'd be able to come back. Um, or potentially they tested positive like 21 or 22 days before the Michigan game. And now they're able to come back uh, in this next game against Maryland. I would assume that they're going to be out for um, the next week for sure. And possibly uh, week three as well, though. Yeah. I did see today that both Lance and Crawford are officially out for Maryland. Um, but after that, who knows? I mean, we don't, the Gophers definitely don't want to see any more 18 yard punts or squib kicks. At, at, at the beginning of the game, I was just wondering, like, does Michigan have some kind of Devin Hester returner back there? Because why are they doing these squib kicks, not realizing that the backup kicker had some sort of injury as well? So that'll be something to uh, keep an eye on to see if there's any improvements this week or if it's kind of that same stuck faking punts because it's only going to go 18 yards if you get it off anyway. But... That's that wasn't the biggest problem with this team was well it was a problem but the defense is not last year's defense by any stretch of the imagination we talked about them a lot on the podcast before that it was going to be the biggest question mark for this team and that was definitely true they struggled a lot against Michigan we talked about them running the ball we talked about Joe Milton Michigan didn't have any trouble getting through the Gophers defense scoring points any of it um what did you see overall just from the Gophers' defense on Saturday? What has Rossi said about kind of fixing some of these early struggles here? So kind of just going off of what I saw, and obviously I am not, um, I do not have the football acumen that any of the coaches do, but basically what I saw is kind of what everyone else watching the game saw. There was too many big plays that the Gophers' defense gave up. Um, obviously they got a lot of energy after blocking Michigan's punt and then um, going down and scoring early on their first drive. But then right away they gave up that long uh, touchdown run um, on the Michigan's first play of their second drive. So too many uh, big plays, big chunk plays. Um, it just didn't feel like Minnesota was able um, to just cause pressure, get bigger stops, um, put Michigan's offense in uh, positions where it was going to be hard for them to convert um, first and get first downs. Um, and they were, again, they were just put in bad spots uh, a, on a, a couple of times too, um, knowing what we know now, while the fake punt might be frustrating to some, 
if they didn't think that their punter w- was going to give them, you know, a good opportunity to stop um, Michigan's offense and give them a good field position, it makes sense why they do uh, try to convert there with the fake punt, but then you're giving Michigan the ball um, deep in their own territory or deep in Minnesota's territory, and then it's a much, much easier for them to score. So I think overall what the uh, defense will need to do, what Joe Rossi uh, said that they'll need to do uh, this upcoming week and throughout the season to make sure they're a lot better is one communication. Uh, he really highlighted that in uh, the this week's press conference saying that the communication has to be almost crazy and loud and urgent. And part of the reason that might not be is, again, we know that this defense is a little bit more inexperienced um, and guys just might not uh, know how to communicate as well with each other quite yet. Then the other thing is because they're inexperienced, uh, they need to play with less hesitancy and just more instinct and react um, when they see plays. It's not necessarily that they're hesitant about you know, getting hit. It's more, okay, is this, you know, a pa- is this going to be a passing play? Is this going to be a running play? Is this a, a play action pass? Um, so if they can kind of shore up some of those things, and those are some things too that will ultimately probably just come with playing more games. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you talked about, you know, some of those big plays and even not even the big plays. Like I remember seeing Joe Milton, they did like a sweep with Joe Milton out to the right. And it was like an easy nine yards. And I just looked at it. I was like, well, they could run this the entire game. Just run the Joe Milton sweep and probably get seven, eight yards of play. So that'll be something that they're going to have to figure out. They're going to not, they can't allow teams to run the ball that easily for the rest of the season. Um, And, you know, overall, there were a lot of negatives that we can take from this game. And we've kind of hit those. But there was anything that either you saw that looked promising, or is there anything that Fleck or the other coaches have said? that are positives that they can draw on from this Michigan game? Uh, two easy positives right off the bat are the Gophers run game, and um, they're able to still get Rashad Bateman involved. Um, Mohamed Ibrahim was the main uh, focus uh, in the running game with over 100 uh, yards, I think about 142 rushing touchdowns. Um, so even though they're losing uh, offensive linemen like Dunlap and Falele and they could have probably been helpful in some situations like the sack fumble. Um, they're still able to effectively run the football. And as some of those guys get, um, again, more experience, um, they're still going to be able um, to do that effectively. And I know we'll get into this just a, in a little bit, but in some of their next opponents coming up, they're probably going to be able to run the ball a little bit better um, than they might have even been, even though, um, most stats were pretty good. They might be able to do even better against um, some of their other opponents than Michigan. Um, and I think ultimately what the team has said that there um, that are positives to draw, to draw from the game are just overall um, their response. And you'll kind of see that um, depending on how they play tomorrow night. But what they've talked about with their culture is their mindsets on – how they respond, not necessarily uh, the result of certain games. So if they responded well in practice this week and play better on this upcoming game, that's a positive for them um, from this game is that uh, they kind of learned what they needed to uh, improve on. Yeah, I think Ibrahim 
big positive, like you mentioned. Like, he looked great. I think that's really encouraging sign for the Gophers for the rest of the year if they can run the ball like that. Looks like they won't be missing, you know, some of the running backs they lost and Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks. Ibrahim looked really good. And just one uh, other additional note on that, too. With Ibrahim kind of getting most of the workload, I would still kind of expect uh, Cam Wiley and Trayson Potts to kind of play a little bit more of a role. And one thing that was kind of just interesting to note is that they did go to a little bit more of um, a two-back set with Ibrahim and Trayson Potts on the field at the same time. Now, again, it was kind of at points in the game where it might not have mattered, but Mike Sanford, co-offensive coordinator, was asked about it this week, and he said that they installed those two-back packages when Bateman, uh, when they assumed Bateman wasn't going to be a part of the team. Um, so now they still might use those, and Potts is more of the receiving back. And so I would be interested to see in how those uh, two guys work together um, if they're on the field at the same time in some of these next few games. Yeah, there were a couple of those two-back sets, which were kind of interesting to watch what they're trying to do out of it. And also, like you mentioned, you, if you mentioned this before the season too, that the Gophers like to get some running backs involved. Um, you know, last year it was obviously Smith, Brooks, and then Ibrahim too. This year, we saw we saw mostly Ibrahim, but we did see a little bit of Trayson Potts and Cam Wiley. What did you think of those two guys? Cam Wiley, it's really hard because I think I was uh, looking back at the box score, and I th- believe he only had one rush, and it was a negative uh, rushing play. So uh, just going off of that, um, it's kind of hard to uh, tell with him like how much more he'll get involved. And again, since the Gophers were down, it was a negative game script. Um, it's kind of hard to get multiple uh, guys um, involved. And if Ibrahim's getting 140 yards, it's also kind of hard to take him out of the mix. Um, Potts looks like he could be a really uh, fast, uh, quick twitch guy on um, the outside. He had a couple of either runs or uh, short catches from Morgan um, and looked like he was able to um, gain, again, gain not necessarily big plays, but seven, eight, yards off of those plays too so he'll be interesting um if they can get him involved in the uh, passing game yeah it'll be fun to watch because obviously the season is still young so kind of see what develops here um and kind of overall there's obviously changes coaches want to make each week especially when you get blown out to Michigan at home what are some of the things that they're looking for what have they said about this first game what kind of changes do they want to make before Friday's game against Maryland here I think the biggest thing would be offensively is execution and they need to make sure that they execute some plays a little bit better. Um, Tanner didn't necessarily play uh, extremely, uh, you know, poor football, um, but there were just obviously some um, incompletions that they talked about that they could have executed better. Um, There were drives that were either cut short due to turnovers or just uh, three and outs. Um, They had one drive that, um, they didn't score on because uh, there was an illegal formation penalty. Um, So they just kind of talked about making sure they understand those situations and execute some plays better. I mean, there was also one of those uh, plays that you see a lot in the NFL where receiver motions over and they do a little uh, quick uh, jet motion pass with him. And it looked like they tried to do that with Bateman and that got shut down within, you know, they, for a loss of probably around five yards. And so it's things like that, making sure that, Um, They execute those plays better. And defensively, we kind of talked about it already, but the biggest thing for them is they're going to have to make sure that they uh, communicate better. And usually 
what a lot of coaches will say with when they give up bigger chunk plays uh, on a regular basis is that they're, they aren't communicating. So I think uh, that would be one thing uh, to look for uh, in this next game that they're going to try to change and make sure that uh, guys are almost over-communicating with each other on the field. Yeah, I think you mentioned Tanner Morgan. Obviously, it wasn't his best game. I didn't think he played bad by any stretch, but one thing I think is worth noting is he took all the blame on his shoulders after the game. He said, it's my fault. I need to be better. And that he basically just took all responsibility for the loss against Michigan. So I didn't think it was all on his shoulders. The fumble wasn't his fault. He played pretty well. Has he played better? Yes. But obviously he wants to play better this week against Maryland. And Maryland is also coming in 0-1. And their game was even uglier than the Gophers. They got blown out by Northwestern. And Northwestern's a team that hasn't been historically very good, wasn't really expected to be very good this year. So a couple questions here about that. Is Maryland that bad where they just got destroyed by Northwestern? Or is Northwestern a team that's taking a step up in the Big Ten this year? And what do Gophers and players and coaches expect from this Maryland team on Friday? So... We'll save Northwestern probably for a later t- date when uh, the Gophers are expected to play them. But focusing on Maryland, I w- it is kind of hard to say that when a team gives up 43 points and can't score more than three, that they are a good football team. I just kind of want to quick take you, and I know I brought this up a little bit before uh, we came on, Nolan, but the first five drive offensive drives for Maryland, the first one ended... Uh, in 12 plays with a field goal. So that's a pretty good, steady drive, but it ended in only three points, and there are only three points in the game. So then Northwestern scores a touchdown. It's 7-3. to three. Maryland's second drive ends in three plays with an interception. Then that led to another Northwestern touchdown, so they're already up two scores. Third drive ends in two plays with another interception, the second consecutive interception. Northwestern wasn't able to capitalize, though. They punted. The fourth drive ended in three plays. They had a no a rush for no gain, an incompletion, and a 10-yard sack. They punted. Mich- uh, Northwestern, excuse me, kicked a field goal. And then their fifth drive ended in four plays, and Northwestern scored. It was 24-3. to So I, ultimately, you could make your comeback jokes about 28-3 uh, to with Atlanta and New England or just Atlanta, any Atlanta Falcons football game. But... <laughs> I think in college it's a little bit harder for a team uh, to get motivated to come back just because they are college kids and they're just not in they're not used to those kind of mental situations where uh, to come back and when your quarterback has thrown two interceptions in uh, the first two of the first three offensive series, I think his confidence was probably a little bit shaken, not necessarily shattered. Um, so overall. While I probably am a little bit more skeptical on how good Maryland is, uh, the Gophers are not. They're treating them like a a worthy opponent. Uh, They talked about how they've got a lot of um, talented players on both sides of the ball. Uh, One thing that was interesting to note is that uh, they talked about how they they aren't returning a lot of starters this year. They're bringing in a lot of uh, transfers. The quarterback uh, is obviously a transfer, and for college football fans uh the name is kind of uh, familiar in Taulia Tagovailoa the brother of uh former Alabama star Tua Tagovailoa he obviously didn't play 
as well as his brother has uh, played in college before. So um, the Gophers are still treating them as a worthy opponent, uh, and they expect them um, to be athletic on uh, both sides of the ball, but they didn't really give you uh, any specifics. And uh, from my perspective, I wouldn't expect them to have nearly the struggles they did uh, against Michigan. Well, yeah, there's no question about it that Michigan is a better team than Maryland. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any argument there. Um, One thing I am curious about, you mentioned Talia Tagovailoa. He threw a couple interceptions, which isn't great, but... We haven't really seen much of him yet. What do the Gophers, what have they said about him? Has there been anything that they think stands out? And kind of just what do you know about him in general? So PJ talked a little bit about him um, and just said that what Maryland's going to try to do with him is they're going to try to um, get him out in space, kind of move the pocket with him, not necessarily just have him uh, drop back uh, straight um, they might run him a little bit, um, especially in college. Obviously, uh, quarterbacks uh, are known to run a little bit more. Um, but this is this was his first start in college, and obviously uh, he transferred in, too. He wasn't uh, on Maryland last year. Uh, so he, Joe Rossi, uh, defensive coordinator, did say that he expects uh, his jump from game one to game two to be better. And the biggest thing is because he again it's his first game and he might have just been a little bit shaken and one you throw two two interceptions and all of a sudden you're down um, multiple scores and if your defense doesn't look like they can stop Northwestern's um, running attack it might be a little bit more um, demoralizing Um, so they're treating him like he's going to be much more um, prepared for this week and he's going to be much more comfortable uh, throughout the game and won't make as many mistakes um, but again, if he, um, you know, threw two, threw three interceptions total, two picks within uh, the first three drives, there might be some possibilities for uh, the Gophers to capitalize on some turnovers, which they weren't able to get in the Michigan game. So um, that will be another thing to kind of uh, watch out for. Right. Yeah, he is a young quarterback, so if they can get some pressure on him, we saw Boy Mafe early get some pressure on Milton. If they can kind of keep that pass rush going, they could force him into some mistakes, which would be helpful uh, for the Gophers. And one thing to note too is with Tagovailoa, he wasn't even one hundred percent set to be the starter. He was in a quarterback competition, won the job, um, and is now playing in his first game. So we'll see. I, I'm expecting he'll get better each and every game, but who knows how much better he'll be in a week. So that'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. And just looking at this game, I mean, we're obviously not too high on Maryland, but what are, what's the biggest key for either team to come out with a win on Friday? Uh, For Minnesota, I would say the big key is really, and it's obviously a very uh, simple uh, task to say just on a podcast, but I think it'd be for them really taking, um, notes from Northwestern and just trying to really uh, run the football well. Northwestern was able to get over 300 yards rushing, um, and we saw Michigan was almost was about 250, 260 rushing yards against the Gophers. Just try to keep establishing the run with Ibrahim, maybe get Potts and Wiley a little bit more involved like we talked about before. Um, and because if you're able to do that, I think they'll be able to get back to playing the football that – 
we saw them play last year where in game in big games like the Penn State game and the game against Auburn, they were able to control the clock, play complementary football to their defense, not put their defense um, in bad situations, and ultimately give them much better chances to win. Unlike games like Wisconsin last year and Michigan where they just weren't able to um, get those things going. So I would say um, just run the ball a lot, um, and if they're able to do it successfully, then uh, it should be smooth sailing for uh, the Gophers. For Maryland, it's got to be uh, just limit the turnovers and don't get down early. If you can stay in the game, because really, I mean, I read off those drives, and obviously you can look at, you can just play the results, but they, if they didn't turn the ball over and or if they were able to kind of have a few things kind of turn their way within the first part of the game, they weren't actually down um, too much to Northwestern early. It just kind of got out of hand for them um, midway through the second quarter. So I would say if they're able to um, stay in the game and then actually execute and make plays, um, that's one other thing that uh, – a lot of the Gophers coaches mentioned is that Maryland missed um, some plays and they just weren't able to execute. And so they are going under the assumption that Maryland will be able to execute those plays. Um, And if Maryland does, they could actually keep it um, closer potentially. Um, But again, we're not as high on them as, (laughs) as other people might be. Right. Well, it'll be, I mean, we saw the Gophers, it snowballed away from them in around the second quarter, just like it did for Maryland. Um, different game this week, but we'll we'll see what happens. And you have a final score pr- uh, prediction for this this Friday? I do, and I'm 0-1, unfortunately, so hopefully we'll, <laughs> we'll try to make it a little bit uh, better this week, get some redemption. Um, I think the Gophers will win pretty handily. I think it'll be 43 to 20. I think Maryland will be able to um, get some points on the Gopher defense. I kind of had the same, a pretty close prediction, 45-27. I also think Maryland will be able to score not super high on the Gophers defense either right now after seeing that first game against Michigan. I think they'll struggle a little bit, but I don't think they'll have any trouble scoring against Maryland's defense. But overall, we'll see what happens on Friday. Um, the Gophers play in Maryland. The game's at 6.30 p.m. Central, and it's televised on ESPN. So be sure to tune in and watch the Gophers play. And also be sure to check our website, mndaily.com, after the game for coverage. Brendan will be writing about it. Um, and coverage on all things Gopher sports. Um, we have it all. But Brendan, thank you for coming in and thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course, Nolan. Thank you. In other news, Gophers cornerback Benny Sapp III entered the transfer portal. The former three-star recruit announced his decision on Twitter Thursday. He's already received offers from Northern Iowa and UNC Charlotte. His dad played at Northern Iowa and was a former member of the Minnesota Vikings. That's it. That's all we have for other news. Thanks for tuning in. Again, be sure to check our website, mndaily.com, and tune in again next week with a weekly rundown on all things Gopher Sports. Thanks. Thanks.